1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the TakeCast. My name is Davis Matic. You guys can find me on Twitter, at Davis Matic. In this episode of the show, I'm joined by my friend Kevin Cole from Pro Football Focus. He also is the host of the Unexpected Points podcast. Uh, in this episode, we kind of just took a look around the NFL and, and argued about some of the quarterback situations, looked at some of the big uh, analytical stories, you know, some of the the surprises in terms of EPA, what the Titans are going to do without Derrick Henry, how, you know, what... what the Chiefs are doing what the you know just all, all of those big stories in the NFL Matthew Stafford versus Jared Goff all that good stuff is is Justin Fields any good and all of the rookie quarterbacks I think you guys will enjoy the conversation if you like the show you can always support it by subscribing on patreon.com slash take cast for bonus episodes or you can just leave a rating or review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts now let's go ahead and get into the episode All right, everyone. Welcoming in my buddy, Kevin Cole from PFF. You can also listen to him on the Unexpected Points podcast. And I I wanted to have Kevin on the podcast because I think we will have a good combination of uh, preaching to the choir on analytic stuff that everyone who listens to this show agrees with. But also, I think we can argue. There are a couple of different things that we have never seen eye to eye about, uh, not even about the world in general, but just about football. And so I thought that would be, and, and a, sp- a couple of specific things I wanted uh, to argue with you about today. I didn't, I did not send Kevin an agenda. So if he doesn't have an exact fact uh, to review something, it's, it's my fault. Don't, don't put that on Kev. but how are you doing, buddy?
0: I'm doing good. And plus you just make it up and then back it up. That's the, the yes. and then stick to it. <laughs> that's that is, to that it, is so my entire good.
1: brand. Yeah, that is, that is my entire brand. So uh, let's, let's just start with what every football talk show is doing right now. Is Mahomes actually bad? If he is not as good as we previously thought, why did we think that? Is it Tyreek? Is Kelsey slowing down the problem? Is it karma from Andy Reed's son killing someone like 72 hours before the Super Bowl? <laughs> I haven't
0: gotten into that one. Is this like, no, is this like honest, on the QAnon honest, threads?
1: I, this is like, I, I, it sounds like a crazy conspiracy theory, but to me, it like would totally jive that the Chiefs were the, the most happy-go-lucky, like, oh, everyone loves Andy Reid. Everyone loves Patrick Mahomes. Kelsey goes on the Manning cast and says he doesn't even run routes. He just makes stuff up. Like, it for, for an organization to have been on such a high for so long, they get blown out in the Super Bowl, they have this personal tragedy with Andy Reid's son, and literally this is the first time they have faced any adversity and not come through since Mahomes took over. From Alex Smith, they they have they I think the only game they lost that they shouldn't have the only game that they lost, that they were like expected to win that I can remember. And it's pro- like maybe this is not exactly true, but was that the D forward offside game like I, I can't remember a time watching a Chiefs game until now where I was like, oh, they, they got this. But like, I don't feel that way anymore. They could have lost to the freaking Giants at home.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that was bad. Of course the end of last season too. I mean, they did finish the second half of the regular season last year. I think they were one and seven against the spread. So there were some, there were some squirrely games there, right? There was a Panthers game. They could have lost on well, a field goal at the end. There was a Falcons game that they barely came back from. So this has been going on for a little bit longer. And because of that, yeah, I have I, I flipped. I mean, I, I'm willing to change my opinion. So I was of the, we have not, there's nothing to see here. There's nothing to see it. There's nothing to see here. And then after these last two weeks, now I'm finally saying, okay, this is really on my radar. I'm not saying it's actually certainly a thing, but as you mentioned, the timing with that, that tragic event with Reed's son, it's, it's a little bit uh, coincidental here in the fact that I think three of the four times they've had that Patrick Mahomes has had negative EPA per play in a game were the Super Bowl um the bills game this year and then uh the tennessee game and then again now now and so now they have another game here where they've had where he's had negative epa per play and they've all come in this time frame there's only one game before i forget what it was i think it was a game in the snow in denver or something like that a year or two ago other than that i i do remember that good
1: yeah um but that was the game where he threw the magical left-handed pass to get the first down that they needed so all the all the sins were forgiven um So you are right that like the, there was this general malaise kind of around the chiefs last year. They like, they, they were like, zero and eight against the spread in the second half of the season. But there was the narrative that like, well, yeah, the the spread doesn't matter to them. Like they're just hanging out like that. What the game against the Buccaneers, they were up 21 zero and then basically shut it down in the second half. And the Buccaneers ended up covering that spread and everything. But like that, that the narrative was, it doesn't matter that they're kind of scuffling in these games. And we, we actually saw that narrative in that Browns game where they started off like shit and the, you know, the Browns were going for it on fourth down and the chiefs were kind of just being really conservative and in a way that you, you should never be conservative with Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback. But I, I will say I am like on, I'm on like DEFCON three with them. Like I am like legitimately the, and the things that I'm worried about are, everyone knows this. The defense is terrible. It's like a popular narrative. Now I feel like it's, it's in the zeitgeist now that the offense understands that the defense is terrible. And so, so as a unit, you know, Mahomes isn't wanting to take the easy throws. You see it with like McCall Hardman where like every time McCall Hardman, gets the ball. He's like, I have to score a touchdown. And if I don't score a touchdown, I have not done my job. He's already fumbled three times on like 20 touches this year you know, CH is a disaster, but it, it seems like it's almost a mental thing. And then that's coming in with the play calling where they're not being aggressive. And then the the, the the hand in the dirt take, the football guy take is that teams are doing to the Chiefs what they did to the Seahawks last year, was which, which is just that they're going too high safeties and they're saying, you just got to, you just, <laughs> you have to pass for seven yards per attempt or you're not going to score against us.
0: Yeah. I mean, we heard something similar though during this tough stretch, So it went all the way back even to a few weeks into last season where Mahomes had a little bit of a struggle game against the Chargers uh, in L.A. And then he hit Tyreek with a long touchdown on that one and things started to come together. So, I mean, here's what I'll say. I I, I talked about a little bit of this a little bit on my podcast. And one way I'll look at is like, let's take it out of thinking about specifically this particular situation, because. I'm not extremely qualified to diagnose these things. And I could find two people who are extremely qualified to diagnose these things right. who will tell me two opposite things. Yes. So what, what do you, what exactly do you do in this situation? Well, I think what we're trying to figure out now is, is this a thing or is this random, right? Is there like a randomness component to the fact that that this has been happening? So then therefore it will turn around. And I think it's important like as a baseline of knowledge to say, like what does randomness look like? And just to understand that we as human beings are very bad at diagnosing if something is random or not. In other words, we see trends in randomness all the time. I mean, a famous example is in a statistics course they'll go around the room. Uh, You say you have like 20 different students. You say, okay, I want you to write out a hundred heads, tails, and you do it in a way that you believe is the most random way that I'm not going to be able to figure out. And then we'll do one experiment where we actually do heads or tails. And then, and then the teacher or the professor can look at it and he can always find the actual one. He can always tell what the actual one is because it's much more clustered than what the students do. The students will say heads, tails, heads, tails. Oh, heads, heads tails tails something like that but they're not going to do you know 9 out of 10 heads and that right. happens in in random events in random so i think that's something you always have to keep in mind when these sorts of things happen that even if we have I mean, these are not random events right these are linked to each other this is not flipping a coin but the the elements that are random in it we're likely to overestimate that and i think we see it i mean you see it in the markets right so it, we're starting to get an adjustment now where pre rogers going out this was getting to around a pick or maybe KC minus one, but it's still KC minus one at home against the Packers. It's not like most people, if they were just thinking, if you asked a random person on the street, who's going to win this game, they'd be like, Oh, the Packers should be favored by, by a lot in this game. Cause they're a much better team. So I think that's a good place to really look at and say, yeah, we're moving somewhat in that direction, but I'm not close to saying this is over for Patrick Mahomes, or this is going to be a problem the rest of the season. I think more likely than not, it's going to turn around, but we're, but now we're flipping towards wanting to see evidence of that happening before before we make that assumption
1: and i mean you don't have to look any further into the randomness than the turnovers which is like everyone right. wants to be like oh you know it's this is mahomes he 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 you know he loved to smell his own farts, so he he'll throw any ball he's break look, the the big narrative i've seen this week is oh he's just breaking all these clean pockets why 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 is he breaking all these clean pockets if he's really as good of a thrower as as he as you know as we have been led to believe yeah why can he be more
0: like joe burrow and right. just sit back there, sit in the pocket and throw interceptions instead of uh, break the pocket and throw interceptions. <laughs>
1: but I mean, the 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 interceptions he's thrown have been like, you know, donk it. I mean, literally he threw one that donked off a of Jarek McKinnon's helmet. If McKinnon would have just yeah. got his hands up, it was a touchdown. You know, uh, Marcus Kemp fumbled one, fell off Jody Fortson's hand, Tyreek Hill. Uh, there was the the week three game. I don't even remember who they played, but they turned it over in the red zone three straight times. And it's just like, well, of course, teams offensive numbers are gonna look worse when this happens. I I I will say my confidence is somewhat shaken because of that Giants game. Like that was the spot where I No, was that like, was
0: concerning. That was I concerning. Was, even though the defense was better, which you would have hoped for.
1: But but I went into that game going, they should not even punt in this game. Like they they this should be, you know, Monday night football, absolute get right opponent. You know, they're 10 point favorites. Everyone's healthy. They got an extra day of rest like they should just come out and it just the, the best the offense looked was when they were handing the ball off to Derek Gore, who no one knew who that was, you know, before that game started, that is like, that is enough for me to start going. Well, something is not right here. Cause before, you know, I was arguing with people on Twitter, like you guys are all losing your minds. Like, of course, Mahomes is always who we thought he was. And now I don't know. And also Travis Kelsey looking 32 is a huge concern because they have no other playmakers, no, absolutely no one else.
0: Yeah, I mean, there could be, like, injury concerns that we don't know about, of course. And yeah, when we're talking about the turnovers and the randomness, there's an element of the drops that which have led to interceptions. And then just the fumbles have gone against them. I mean, they've had, I think, three or four fumbles after receptions, which you don't see that often. Clyde Edwards-Lair obviously had a couple of big fumbles. One of them lost them. The, the Ravens game effectively lost them. Uh the Ravens game. So yeah, there's there, there's randomness in a lot of this stuff here, but there is a problem. And if anything, the thing that I'm most concerned about isn't the turnovers, isn't the other stuff, is the fact that they're not making any explosive plays. And I know yes. that the form supposedly what people want to see from them is be patient, be patient, be patient. Um I don't know. I, no, I think there may be a problem. Them, I think we, we might them, need the to
1: Chiefs was the explosive <laughs> plays, was the, the yeah. 60-yard touchdowns.
0: Yeah. Like I don't care how far back the safeties are playing. Sometimes you're going to have to look to make some explosive plays down the field. And I think that is what they need more than anything else. I mean, they have a very high success rate in these games, but that's obviously not translating into putting up the type of points you would want to see. So that's what I would say. I would say more explosive plays, if anything. Um, and I know the running game is an is potentially one way to open things up, but I I don't know. It's just
1: Who's going to be the the explosive runner on this team, though? That was never even, even if you bought into the thesis that CH was like a good luxury pick for them or anything, it was never under the idea that he was going to be like Barry Sanders breaking off explosive runs. It was that he would be very competent as a rusher and really like smooth and efficient as a pass catcher, which has not even borne itself out in his NFL career.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think for the Chiefs, it's only something where we're talking about mixing it. And if you watch the Eagles game, there were times where, I guess, Edward Solaire, was he still around for that one? I don't know, I think he was. Yeah, he was. He was getting like seven, eight yards downfield before anyone would touch him. We saw a little bit of that against the Giants. The problem is, like, the value in... Running in these situations, um, and it's been a little bit tilting. You, you mentioned like Manning cast. It's been a little bit tilting to watch like Peyton Manning call for running plays when you're seeing the too high. And there's always this this scenario of well, you got to bring those guys down. You got to bring those guys down. Those guys aren't coming down. I don't think against the. They're Chiefs. not coming down for Clyde edwards I think that's part of the problem. Like even if you have a successful drive with Derek Gore, the next time you step out onto the field. I think those safeties are still going to be back there in the same exact position they were, not necessarily in the same way that you would see against other teams. So uh, yeah, I don't think that running the ball is a solution other than mixing it in. I don't think being patient is a solution. I think the solution is trying to expand the passing game vertically again and use what you have there and maybe take some more risks, even in that area, because just continuing to, you know, dink and dunk down the field is not going to work so well. Um, Especially if Kelsey is having some issues getting open, which it seems like he may be a little hampered right now.
1: Which is like, it's one of those other things where like, you know, when it's happy go lucky and we're scoring 30 points a week, like it's fine for Travis Kelsey to be like, Oh yeah, I'm just making up my routes. But like, you know, a miscommunication between Travis Kelsey and and Patrick Mahomes against the Green Bay Packers, you know, against Jordan Love that reverts into an interception. All of a sudden, we're not happy-go-lucky and we're yelling at each other on the sidelines, you know.
0: Well, what what, what do you think about this game? Like I mentioned, it was basically a point down to a pick, maybe. It's like it started off with Casey. I mean, one or two, I, I had and Casey, it now it's up to seven yeah. and a half.
1: So I'm in a I'm in a picks contest where we have to pick every game, and I you know I normally yeah. try to pick on Monday or Tuesday. So that I, so that you can beat stuff like this. And I took KC at, at minus one. Yeah. Um, it feels like Rogers is probably worth eight points or seven and a half points like that. That feels about right to me. Yeah. I mean, um, you'd
0: hope it would be less for if you're the Packers for the fact this is but, like but Jordan, Jordan love. love this is not, it's,
1: it's not like, Oh, uh, like if, 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 yeah. if uh, you know, if, if, uh, Oh, who's like the chase, if chase Daniel was the backup quarterback, maybe it's five and a half. But, like, you know, the market is basically saying, like, we don't know what to – like, Jordan Love could just be terrible here. So yeah, He could just yeah. be god-awful.
0: I mean, I remember when Rodgers was out, I guess it was, it was way back – maybe it was all the way back to 2017. I was thinking that the market was overestimating his value because it was, like, eight points, maybe more than eight points. But then Brett Hunley came in and was so god-awful that it ended up being actually too little. So, yeah, the, my thing with this game is – I'm weighing a couple of different factors. It was easy before to to pick KC because I think – that the Packers were a little bit overrated, and I'm kind of biased against Aaron Rodgers and I'm biased for yeah. Patrick Mahomes. So that made it easy. Now it's complicated because my bias against Aaron Rodgers tells me that the line movement is too much <laughs> towards towards I, mean, I So I can't use that.
1: I'm biased against Aaron Rodgers too. Like I don't I don't like him for a, a lot of reasons, mostly that he ran Jeff Janice out of town. Yeah, exactly. Um, Your
0: boy Janice. Yeah. yeah. He, he, but
1: <laughs> so I'm I'm biased there too, but like Rodgers, even, even when we said Rodgers sucked, right? Like when that was like the meme, yeah. like 2018, it was like he was the 10th best quarterback, not the first best. Like it's not like anyone ever actually thought Rodgers was like a, a Kirk Cousins level quarterback. Even, even when Rodgers was playing poorly by his own standards, he was still a good NFL quarterback.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was just the fact that he was coming in in – in the like executive surveys as number one as number year one. after year after year, starting the season as an MVP favorite uh, in all those different seasons. That was the stuff that mostly the people were talking about. Although this, this year, I mean, like the Cardinals game, people were jumping all over me and some YouTube comments about a podcast that I did as a review of that game. I mean, I didn't think he was that good. And we're still seeing these, you know, Rogers won them the game sort of situations where I do think AJ he gets a Dillon won too them much the credit. game
1: against the Cardinals.
0: Yeah, yeah, be the running yeah. game won the game and the defense. I mean, and some turnovers and some lucky turnovers. So all those things kind of came together. So I think Aaron Rodgers always gets like a little bit too much credit in, in my book because he can make these unbelievable throws, but like in that situation, he just doesn't trust his receivers, which is kind of similar yeah, he to like doesn't, when he, had... he
1: doesn't trust Juwan Winfrey and Alan Lazard and like or MVS. I mean, MVS. I think if MVS played for the Kansas City Chiefs, he'd be. 70 receptions, a thousand yards, six touchdowns <laughs> a year, honestly, because Rodgers or uh, Mahomes does not have that flaw. Like he's like, shit, Demarcus Robinson. Like if you're op- like, how many, how many perfect dimes has Demarcus Robinson made a total mess of uh, in his career in Kansas city, like a ton, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, so like Rodgers, he throws the ball outside. He tries to avoid turnovers. People, Some people are comparing what's going on with Mahomes this season to what went on with Rodgers before. Rodgers was having like 250 straight attempts without an interception during these streaks where he was playing poorly. Like he was not risking things in the same way that Mahomes is. I, I thought about an analogy with – You know, everyone's like, oh, oh, Roger's missing all of his receivers. Like a a total guy on the other side of the spectrum is maybe someone like Jameis Winston. I mean, the Saints didn't have shit at wide receiver and he would just throw it up to whoever. Like he'll just throw it to to the guy no matter no matter who's there. So there is a very different sort of way of playing. Obviously, you want to be somewhere in between that. But I'm, I'm always going to be more like you have to take risks to win most of the time. Like, like most of the time you have to go out and win something I mean it's uh, just, rather it's than just wait.
1: Analog, it's just analogous for living right to 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 yeah. to win in life you have to you cannot be completely risk averse right
0: okay well let's not get into a crypto discussion off. This, I mean no yes. I just
1: mean this in like in your career <laughs> in in you know drinking yeah, the milk yeah. that's expired by a day like you just you always have to be you just it's seeking risk is generally more healthy than our brains are our condition okay. Another guy, we we this is will be an actual argument. Do you still believe that Kyler Murray is overrated?
0: No, I don't believe he is. He is now. I mean, like I will update. Hey, okay, I'll update what I it's think. Good I think to be last, I think last season. The problem, the reason why I thought Murray was overrated, and I don't think he really showed it in the second, I mean, he showed it to a degree. He wouldn't have been as bad as he was in the second half of the season if it wasn't for the injury that he had and he couldn't run anymore. But the which, problem which was, is a
1: fair argument about Kyler because he's 5'8, 185 pounds or whatever. So he's probably going to get injured a lot in his career.
0: Well, the problem was, though, if you remember the first half of last season, he was. He was, he had, I think he had the most 20 plus yard touchdowns running the ball. He was making some incredible plays, but the underlying passing performance was bad. Whereas this season that hasn't been the case. He's been good. If you strip out his scrambling, if you strip out his running, which he's not doing nearly as much. He has been a good yeah, he's been a good drop back passer where he wasn't before. So that's why I thought he was overrated before was because I didn't think that the scrambling, I didn't think the 20 yard scrambles, the 20 yard rushing design run touchdowns were going to continue. And eventually you'd have to rely more upon passing the ball. And this season he is doing that. I mean, I don't know if it's a transformation of the offense. I don't know if it's having um, different receivers that they have, but it's addition
1: by subtraction. It's removing, it's removing five and a half, Uh, you know, six yard slants to Larry Fitzgerald per game, which were like the least productive plays in, in the NFL, like just removing that and putting Christian Kirk and Rondell Moore and Zach Ertz and Max Williams as the recipient of those, has been a huge upgrade for them. Like, hard But I mean, overstate. DeAndre
0: Hopkins, though, is not good. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins was being overused also. I mean, we, yes. we saw some of that last season about how he was just getting the ball on one side of the field, all in this big cluster on the sideline, nothing over the middle of the field. I mean, Kyler still is never going to throw it a lot over the middle of the field because he cannot see he over see. the over, over the offensive lineman. But just bringing in guys like even like Zach, Zach Ertz, and he's not breaking tackles as usual, but he's, he's making some plays. You, you mentioned Kirk, you mentioned Rondale Moore. They are just, they're really using more of the field now. So that's why I'm a lot more confident than i going forward. It doesn't seem like though people have really bought into them. I mean, even them this week.
1: No, people, want, are... people want to buy the Rams, which, which by the way, yes. I actually think is a spot in the market. Cause I, I, I do believe in this ramp. This is another thing we can argue about. Cause you were, I mean, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but you were on the Stafford is good, but are we sure he's that good? bandwagon
0: definitely on that so definitely and
1: i i don't even think that was an unreasonable position to be in in the offseason um i went the other way i was like stafford is really fucking good and my thing with stafford was that he literally look at his offensive coordinators and the coaches he had in the lions organization it was like a who's who's of like sub joe judge level guys like just total losers coached him You know, and he had a couple decent wide receivers, right? He had Galladay, he had Marvin Jones, he had Calvin Johnson for a spell. But I, I think what we learned is that Jared Goff is like sub Andy Dalton level skill as a quarterback and that a huge chunk of what we can explain as the Rams efficiency when Goff is the quarterback was because McVay knew exactly how to hide his deficiencies and make him a productive NFL quarterback.
0: Okay. Okay. So the, when it comes to Stafford, so I, I, again, I'm updating, right. I'm updating based upon what's going on, but I will say the staff, the argument against Stafford, I think I had some good evidence that his supporting cast wasn't maybe was as bad as we think it was. Said. Yeah. Right. I think he had something like almost 50% of his career dropbacks. He had Calvin Johnson. I think it was something like 40 something percent of his career dropbacks. He had peak golden Tate. Then if you take Marvin Jones, he had it for another 25, 30% of his dropback. So he had decent there. His pass blocking actually rated better than you thought. The problem with those Lions teams mostly was the fact that the defense always stunk. And how the defense affects offensive performance, I think it's tenuous at best. I mean, you have guys like Drew Brees where it didn't seem to matter at all. He would put up these amazing seasons even when the defense was bad and even when the team was finishing, uh, you know, seven and nine. Uh, years back to back, Drew Brees was still awesome every single year, and you have other guys who maybe are affected from playing from behind. So, I remember calling Stafford the way Stafford plays. I think I called him like a poor man's Patrick Mahomes. I, though, to be honest,
1: fancy, he's fancy Jameis.
0: uh, To be honest, I think I called him destitute man's Patrick Mahomes. So, maybe I was a little bit too, 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 um, against him there. But what's happening now is. His grading, according to PFF grades, and I do not take PFF grades as being the the Bible. I like to mix together what quarterbacks are doing with their efficiency by something like expected points along with, with the grading. I mean, his grading is not stellar because of the fact that so many of these guys are open and we're seeing him have to do a little bit less than what some others are, and they've had an easy-ish sort of sort of schedule. So I do think there's some tent, there's some hesitancy for me to crown him yet at this point. And then you mentioned his offensive coordinators. I mean, having lived through this. You may not remember, but Jim Bob Cooter was being hailed as like oh, yeah. fixing Matthew Stafford. Uh, Daryl Bevel was being hailed as fixing Matthew Stafford. I think even if you go even further back, there were some times where his previous offensive coordinator, whose name escapes me right now, is more of a West Coast guy, was being hailed as fixing Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford has had some heaters where he's for even almost he an has entire season. Heaters. Yeah. For almost an entire season. So for that reason, too you know, not quite a halfway through this season. I'm still a little bit in wait and see move mode. So I'm moving him closer, but I'm not going to put him into this bucket as if I do think he is an elite quarterback. Not yet. Not I yet. I don't, for
1: me. I don't, I mean, I don't think he deserves to be in that bucket either. I think he's like, I don't know. I'd have to look up the EPA stuff and everything. My guess is he's like the 11th best quarterback. That that sounds, that sounds like intuitively. Oh, 11th is right fine. No,
0: I think 11th is right. We're right around where I would have had him to start. start the season. I think people think he's much higher than that. Now. I mean, he's first in EPA per play by a long shot,
1: but, but this season, the difference would be that Jared Goff is like the 37th best quarterback, which I think is. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, golf's in a tough, but this is a t- golf is in a tougher spot than Matthew Stafford was ever in on that team. I mean, that's yes. like, you got like below replacement level type of uh, receivers and an offensive line that's fallen apart and everything else. They're not to not, not like I'm a golf stand or something like that, but you know, golf can throw the ball where it needs to be thrown if he's in the right situation, he's just not getting any of that where, well, he, where he is right now. He does now. not
1: react to anything out of structure appropriately. Like once, once, once the play is gone, it's like what after like four seconds or something like that, he's like the worst uh, EPA guy. Like there, there, I mean, there are lots of these stats. Out he's there always from-
0: been bad under pressure. It's always like the splits, yeah. the pressure and then clean pocket splits have been enormous from him. Some people like to discount that and say, Oh, well, you know, pressure play is not as stable as clean pocket play, but after a while, there's definitely something to like pressure guys being able to perform underneath underneath pressure. I think a lot of it, though, is because certain quarterbacks calculated in a calculated manner, invite pressure and other quarterbacks like Jared Goff. If they're under pressure, they're in trouble. They were. That was not that was not the plan. Yeah, they're not doing this in you a calculated have, manner.
1: If you don't have the Tony Romo dip shoulder spin move, which like by like people will say other quarterbacks, that's their move. Romo was the best at that of all time. Romo was not an agile guy, was not fast, but he was so good at dipping his shoulder and moving past the defender and getting to where he needed to like a clean platform. Like if you don't have that in the NFL right now, you're it's a mess. It's a real problem. Like you got to be able to do that. And Goff cannot do that.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, Goff is is not going to get you much as far as his ability to play out of structure. So, I mean, I guess the larger thing on Stafford and the, the Rams generally is, you know, they've had a pretty easy schedule. So I don't know where I stand on them as far as the best teams in the and NFL. They did
1: they did roast the Buccaneers. Like they like that game they was did. not close. Yes.
0: They did. But then uh, I mean the Cardinals kind of semi roasted them. So well the yeah, Cardinals, the,
1: I the Cardinals, I think, if Ky, if you could guarantee me Kyler <laughs> wakes up every game day feeling hundred percent, I think they're the best team in the NFL. But I just I think that's a hard I think well, or the Cowboys, to be honest.
0: I'm going Cowboys. Wow. No the Cow- what I liked about the Cowboys is that their defense had a great game last week when like none of the lucky random stuff happened. Really. You know, they were getting all these pick sixes and other stuff before. No INTs, no fumbles. I don't I think they only sacked Kirk Cousins once and they just shut them down like a pure defensive performance. Um, as opposed to Trayvon Diggs, you know, bringing in a pick six every single in a game. So, th- yeah. so that was good for them. Like, I think relatively good, the fact that their defense did that. So I'm st- so that was a big game for them, for, for me to be believing them a, li- a little bit more. And offensively, their success rate, I'm not sure if it's still the highest in the NFL, but they were not performing as high on some of these outlier sort of plays. They had some negatives that were keeping down their EPA per play, but their success rates were very high. And when I looked at that offense, it didn't smell to me like a low, like a high success rate, low efficiency offense generally. So that also makes me pretty positive because it's like, Oh, those big plays will come then eventually.
1: Well, what, what they have is they, and it's very hard to get, but they have the perfect synergy between quarterback and offensive coordinator where Kellen Moore gives Dak more Dak, more Dak Prescott, the option before the play, right? He said this after the Buccaneers game, when Dak threw 52 times, he said, look, we called a bunch of run plays, Dak diagnosed it at the line of scrimmage. And he said, we're, we're going to throw the ball. And they almost won that game against, against the Buccaneers. And, um, you know, then the games after that, it was much different. Teams started to play them differently and Dak adjusted it and Kellen Moore, I mean, it's, it's real like hand in the dirt type stuff, but it does seem like he has developed the perfect offense with the players at his disposal. Like it just, it I it just does not feel like there's any scenario that he can't find ways to get them to 24 points. Like, it feels like they could get to 24 points against, you know, the 85 bears or whatever.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like I said, it's just, they're being consistently successful. And I mean, more, we talked about head coaching earlier. I mean, he's gotta be like, maybe, number one for potential head coaches next
1: season i i hope jerry just backs the truck up i mean i hope i hope jerry gives this guy so like they're just going to
0: give a boot to me <laughs> no Mike no McCarthy so has what I, all you upper coordinator
1: what i it's hard though I,
0: it's hard to keep people out of the big seat
1: what i saw uh i i believe jane slater uh of the nfl network uh reported this is that they, they want to work out a deal where they give him a huge pay raise. And then they basically handshake deal when McCarthy's ready to hang it up. It's your, it's your job. And we'll, we'll pay you a ton of money, which, you know, I mean, there, there always would be the allure of being the head coach, but how do you, I, I, and lots of guys do leave the perfect situation, right? Robert Sala, everyone talks, Oh, Robert's the best defensive coordinator ever. He changes the game. He's a huge part. And that, you know, he goes to the jets and he's getting his ass kicked every single week as a head coach. Cause he's, Got to be a head coach, and there's only 32 of those jobs. But I mean, if you're Kellen Moore and you're in this situation, why? Everyone, no, and no one has a bad word to say about Kellen Moore. He's probably the most overpraised coach in the NFL right now.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's tough though. It's like Shanahan probably should have stayed as an offensive <laughs> right. coordinator, where we're learning now. But those guys want to have the big seat, you know. And if you have a big enough ego. You're going to want to take that. And this whole like wait around for your turn. I mean, freaking Josh McDaniels has been doing that for 15 years. And, I mean, Sean Payton probably thought that he was going to come back and be the coach of the Cowboys at, at some at some point in time, also. So the, you know, you you, you got to jump sometimes when you have the chance. And I think he's up there because who are the other guys that were going to be up there? Joe a little a little bit of the shines off of Joe Brady or someone like that, right? But I now. feel
1: like I feel like Joe Brady. People would would get, excuse him for the quarterbacks he's had. Like I feel like I feel like yeah, Joe, yeah, I feel I like Joe so. Brady. Yeah, I feel like it's 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 pretty fine with him. Um, all right, Russell Wilson, underrated, overrated properly rated i mean russell wilson has properly
0: this, rated i don't know where is he rated
1: thing. i well i mean ben baldwin if you're listening i mean he wants <laughs> ben baldwin once told me there's no difference between wilson and mahomes just the the coaches that they've been stuck with and i don't know i mean watching mahomes results this season maybe ben was more right than wrong about that i've always been of no, the no he was he was
0: wrong he was wrong
1: I've always been in the belief that Russell Wilson would have had an entirely different career. Had he not landed with, you know, a, a fossil as a coach. And he's also had these terrible offensive coordinators too, um, like n- guys who do not like, why do they want to run the ball so much? No one has ever e- explained it to me in a way that's made sense as to why you'd have Russell Wilson and you'd run the ball that often the, 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 it's the, what's the Pete Prisco argument that says you want to keep him at like 30 attempts per game. Cause more than that, gets it's exposed or whatever but i i've never bought that argument
0: well i I think he's just not good at like quick game or or substitution like what's your most natural substitution for the um for the run game quick game rpos quick slants over the middle he just he doesn't throw those he doesn't throw those particularly well he just
1: doesn't Yeah. So
0: I think that's the biggest argument is like w- a lot of this expansion of the passing game has been a substitution. Like for instance, um, I think it was the said that like, they consider their RPOs the run game. And a lot of coaches do, a lot. A lot of teams do consider that s- sort of stuff as being like part of, of the run game, because it's like a substitution for for a running play that you're substituting that in there. And they don't really have that with Wilson. And I think, but the thing with Wilson is like the sacks. Well, I mean, that's part of it. He throws these great throws down the field, but those are not throws that generally produce, like like they take, the, the, the goodness of the throw to the results that you get is very high. Like you've got to throw a really good ball to get these results, where a lot of the easier throws that can get good results, he doesn't do quite as much. And then on top of that, he's going to take 30, 40 EPA more in sacks than someone like Patrick Mahomes, so he's basically starting the season like 40 EPA behind Patrick Mahomes, yeah. no matter what happens, and it all and because of all think, those different things.
1: Do you think if he had the best offensive line ever, do you still think he'd eat those sacks? Because the the yes. Russell Wilson people would say he's never had a good offensive line.
0: Uh, I mean, he wouldn't eat as many, but he definitely would eat. Um, I mean, a, a, an example would be. I mean, I know we're talking about Mahomes a lot, but even in that, even in the Super Bowl. I don't think he even took a sack until the second half of that Super Bowl. Like there's a there is a difference between it affecting your performance and actually taking a sack. Like he'll still he still knows how to just throw the ball out at the last second or to do something to get rid of it whereas some guys are going to be comfortable doing that.
1: He only took, Mahomes only took three sacks total in that game where he basically was, you know, dead to rights every-, every Right, and
0: I sacks. think a couple of them were like at the end, like in the fourth quarter where they're really in total desperation mode. So he was just kind of holding on onto the ball a lot there. So that, I think that that's just part of who he is. I mean, I remember getting into a discussion, this is like during the- the Russell Wilson overrated when I said he was overrated going into last season, wasn't looking so hot, like seven, eight games into the season. Um, like I even got in a conversation with, with Mina Kimes about it. And my point to her was that like, I was more confident that, Mahomes after the season was going to be viewed as number one, then Russell Wilson would be viewed at number two. Like I just I like he just has more fragile how far he could fall in. And now he's not even close to being number two anymore. I mean, maybe you say Mahomes is doesn't have a a, a lock on number one, I mean, but he's people close. Are,
1: people are saying people are saying Mahomes is the not a top five quarterback.
0: Oh, please. Don't, don't I know what you're talking about? I don't <laughs> I know this yeah. one guy. Yeah, Dove like
1: climbing. If you're listening, buddy.
0: Mahomes, like, I don't know what he did. I don't know. I was gonna say. something crass there about what he's done to him in the past but i don't know what that guy's hang up oh yeah he loves brady right so that's the thing
1: and the brady people can't have mahomes have 15 years of generational success because right you cannot have a
0: goat successor a a successor in waiting for that it's the lebron
1: it's the lebron mj thing and and of course i mean 32
0: out of 32 gms are taking patrick mahomes right now if you're starting a football team that's just the way yeah that, that's the way that it goes. Um, could that change? Maybe. Uh, but if you even said prime Russell Wilson, you know, there, he's not necessarily second in that, in that category versus a bunch of guys now, whether it's, I mean, it would have been Deshaun Watson, right? If it wasn't for all this stuff that was happening, just, I think Deshaun Watson had already kind of like surpassed Russell Wilson in a lot of people's minds. Uh, the way that even Tom Brady is playing now is kind of su- has surpassed Russell Wilson. Lamar is like more of a question. I think a lot of people would take Lamar now. Who wouldn't have taken him over Russell Wilson That's, a year ago?
1: I feel so vindicated by the season Lamar is having because he's got all these <laughs> shitty running backs and and they're still winning games. Yeah, I, I call him the
0: 2015 All-Stars. He's got the 2015 All-Stars back there.
1: Like Lamar, Lamar evolving as a passer. People were convinced this would just never happen. People were convinced that Lamar was going to get worse and worse every year as his athleticism waned. Like people were basically saying like 28-year-old Lamar Jackson will be out of the league and so it feels very vindicating to watch him, you know, throwing dime bombs to to Marquise Brown. I know they got they got shit house by by the Bengals, which was a bit of a weird game because it could have been competitive and then the defense gave up a 25-yard touchdown run to Mixon and like a 40-yard touchdown run to Samaje. Well, ne- neither
0: team offensively was that great. Yeah, no, no. I mean, they had, an, they had like an 80-yard touchdown to Chase, uh, a, a P. Ryan, uh 50-yard touchdown, a Mixon long touchdown, C.J. Uzama. I, I always say it incorrectly. I, yeah. think, I think that's correct. Um, he had two long touchdowns. So, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. Now, Lamar was a guy that I picked last year as the guy that was going to surpass uh, Wilson. And – He didn't do so hot last, like last season, he probably actually fell on some people's eyes, but now he, now now he's getting there. So like in a long enough timeline, all takes are eventually correct at one point in time.
1: It's true. Yeah. Uh, Let's what other, what other, Oh, I mean, how have we not talked about the Titans? (laughs) I mean, the, I, I, before I even say anything, before I even color your discourse, the post Derrick Henry Titans will be what?
0: I mean, they're not going to be as good as the pre derrick Henry Titans, but I don't know if that's necessarily because of Derrick Henry. Um, I mean, they've won some big games here, so it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to be any better than that. Uh, Now, how much of an effect it has? I mean, we can look, if you want to look to what happened with their line, I mean, I think it's gone from six and a half to seven and a half against the Rams this week. And some people have said, well, that's a key number. So that's a big move for Derrick Henry. I mean, Vaughn Miller is going to be on the other team too, right? Like Vaughn Miller was, was added by the Rams also. And that's the second most impactful position in the NFL by salary, by how much they pay these guys. So if anything, it's probably like less than half of that move. And I think that's probably about right as far as for someone like Derrick Henry.
1: So I think they're going to be worse. I think they're going to be a lot worse. And part of that is they're going to cr-
0: cruise to the tight, to the division title though. Like they can, they almost, yes. it's almost impossible for them not to win the division at this point.
1: But the reason why I think they're worse is not necessarily like, is Derek Henry a lot better than Jeremy McNichols, Adrian Peterson and Donta Foreman? Like, yeah, definitely. Um, but I, and we're already hearing some concerning stuff from their coaches about basically being like, we're not changing our game plan. Like we're the Titans. We're going to run the ball. And I, I wish I could credit this, but someone floated out that, oh, they should just trade for a wide receiver. Like, that's clearly the answer. Like, trying to find another Derrick Henry is not going to work. So they should try and work with what they've shown is successful, which is lots of play action, get Tannehill on the move, you know, get Tannehill where, where he can have clean throws and let him throw to A.J. Brown and maybe someday Julio Jones. And I don't know, it seems like Odell Beckham was available. You know, it seems like there were guys who would have been available at the trade deadline who could have been their third wide receiver or their Julio Jones replacement. That's not, you know, Josh Reynolds and Nick Westbrook, Akeen and, and stuff like that. Like I, they, they should have traded for a wide receiver. I think I, and you know, obviously they were never going to do that, but that could have been a way for them to salvage uh, the, the Derek Henry list season.
0: Yeah. I mean, the thing about Henry is for, for as much as, you know, running backs don't matter, all that sort of stuff. I mean, he, I did find that his last season last year and this season, like the amount that you could project that he was giving you on the ground versus a replacement level guy uh, or versus a backup, as long as you're running it that much, as long as you're committed to running that much, it does have a big impact. I mean, he did, he, he is an explosive play type of guy. There are very strange circumstances like the Seahawks game this year, where they were completely insane how much they were running the ball, despite the fact that they were down pretty substantially in that game in the second half. They just continued to run it. And then eventually he made a couple of big runs and, and big plays. So I don't know if you can count on that with um, Adrian Peterson or Dante Foreman, or, although I hope, I hope Dante Foreman is pretty good because yeah, I have like I, I my so draft too. takes, my draft takes for forever, how long ago, again, long enough timeline, you got to get the takes are eventually be correct. So yeah, um, yeah, I, I do think they need a wide receiver, although maybe just for depth, because we've seen even from A.J. Brown that he is like a soft tissue injury waiting to happen. And Julio Jones is just like one big soft tissue injury. So the probability that both of those guys make it through this season and play, let's say 80% of their normal allocated snaps is pretty low.
1: Right, which is, uh, which is a pretty big problem when your backups are marcus johnson and and nick westbrook
0: does josh reynolds play or not
1: he only plays when one of those guys is inactive so he because he, yeah. he they, apparently they don't want to play him in the slot at all so he only plays when when one of julio okay. or, or both okay. or both of them are out uh baker mayfield what contract should the cleveland browns give him should they not give him a contract because i i would imagine baker's going in saying you know you're you're paying me like i'm dak prescott or i'm i'm out
0: yeah, I mean, if that's the case, then they're gonna have to start thinking about contingency plans now. Although you got the fifth-year option, you got realistically two tags. Um, I think Dak Prescott is really the only quarterback, though, who's played through his fifth year option without an extension, who ended up being the like franchise quarterback long-term contract guy. Yeah. So While technically they don't have to make a move right now by not making a move, they're almost de facto declaring the fact that he's not really going to be the guy going forward. And then they have to start to look for something. I mean, I'm not against them looking at something. I mean, supposedly they were sniffing around at Cam Newton back a couple of years ago. Um, I would look at someone like Jameis, honestly, if Jameis is not going to be Jameis
1: for sure. Yeah.
0: So James is not gonna, supposedly he's not going to be back. That's what the well. That's who knows. There, there's like this is beat reporters saying that they they believe that Jameis won't be back. Jameis is a guy that that I would be interested in. Jimmy Garoppolo is a guy that maybe I I think Jimmy Garoppolo might be a little bit of an upgrade over Baker Mayfield. Um, not mm, huge.
1: That one that feels pretty lateral.
0: Yeah, the thing is Jimmy Garoppolo, he's six in EPA per play this season and. He's some he's like a top 10 guy over his over his career over the last few years. Like his grading is shit, people hate him, but the dude just puts up results. Now, everyone says this is like maybe this is like a Jared Goff, Sean McVay situation, but he's better than Jared Goff, I think. Cuz I think I think his ability to convert third downs, his ability to play under pressure with the quick release is a little bit better. So, yeah, I'm not saying he's a lot better than Baker Mayfield, but if your choice is signing Jimmy Garoppolo to like the Teddy Bridgewater Panthers deal versus extending Baker Mayfield. And maybe, maybe you would think about that.
1: Yeah. Uh, okay. Rookie quarterbacks it, save, save Justin Fields for last. Cause we're, we're going to argue, we're going to argue. <laughs> so, right. so um, Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, uh, Mac Jones and um, and what little we've seen of, uh, of Trey Lance.
0: Well, I mean, the, the, macro picture is they stink. I mean, that's a, that's, a macro, that's a macro picture about all these guys is they're like bottom five other than Mac Jones in whether you look at grading, whether you look at efficiency, however you want to look at it. So not so hot. I mean, I think, I think they have displayed though, when it comes to Wilson and it comes to Lawrence, I think they've displayed the traits that people had talked about. I mean, I think if you, if you look at like a Sam Darnold, let's say, I mean, both of those guys are way more athletic than Sam Darnold and have better arm talent than, than Sam Darnold does. So at least I think there, there might be some more hope, but their results are bad so far. Uh, Lawrence may be a little bit better, I, was, I would say, than Wilson because he's just had so many interceptions that aren't necessarily like he can't make regular plays. He's just trying to he's maybe trying a little too hard. Some miscommunications and somehow Jamal Agnew has become his number one wide receiver. So, uh, that's, so that's, that's, that's a problem. Um, and then Mac Jones, I mean, I don't know. You, you gotta like, you gotta, we gotta move him up a little bit. you know, and you're however you viewed I, him before. I,
1: I posted a tweet last week before the fields game. And I said, you know, which rookie quarterback is going to have the best career out of Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, Justin Fields and Trey Lance and over 50 percent of the answers were Mac Jones.
0: Yeah, I mean, that might be a little aggressive, but I do think that
1: I I would still put him third. I would still put him third of that group. Okay, well, then who are you
0: putting? Who are you putting fourth and fifth?
1: So Lawrence is still one to me because when yeah. I, when I watch Lawrence, he still looks like what I expected from him. You know, he, yeah. he he's making a lot of, okay. Good yeah. Throws. I
0: probably still keep Lawrence at one. Yeah.
1: Like I, like I'm not seeing anything to be like, Oh yeah, this guy is just, just another wasted Jacksonville Jaguars pick. Like I think that he will certainly, he is like above Darnoldian levels. Right. Yeah. Um, to, to the point where you can still see it uh, fields would be too. And I know this is what, this is what we will argue about, but I am, I am very little discouraged by the shitty results thus far, because I, a lot of it seems to be for, for whatever reason, Maggie is coaching him like he is the worst quarterback he's ever seen. Um, like just like tr- really low volume offense, no deep throws, lots and lots of Khalil Herbert, which is weird. And just based off of what Trey Lance could be if he gets close to figuring it out. I mean, Trey Lance is like, he looks like a, an alien or something. Like he's this gigantic guy. That, and I know it's so weird to point a, to an interception as a positive play, but that interception he threw against the Arizona Cardinals, he's running across the field the wrong way, throwing across his body, and just throws this laser dart that I don't even think like Mahomes could throw. And it, it, you know, it hit Sanu in the hands or whatever. And then it, he just, it was too hard and it got intercepted, but like, he just seems like an alien. And then clearly I like Mac Jones, I think the 49ers probably should have taken him if they wanted to win games this year, because he came into the system and he's like, you know, they used to call players like pro ready or whatever. And he looked, he looks pretty pro ready. And then, I mean, Zach, I, Zach Wilson, it's, it's a tough scene. Like, I didn't think Zach Wilson was good before. <laughs> But that's my prior, though. My prior was that Zach Wilson was a huge mistake by the Jets at two anyways. And all the available evidence is supporting that prior.
0: Yeah. yeah. But so when it comes to Wilson, yeah, it, the results have been really bad. And I don't think that he has like a uniquely bad situation that he's in to for contextualize those sorts of results. Um, but at the same time, I've seen some arguments that. Like he's not, he doesn't have like any sort of special attributes that justify. I do think he does have, I think he does have some special attributes. I mean, he, he does like, he's pretty good at escaping. He's pretty good at escaping pressure. He's pretty good at throwing off platform and doing those things, but he's just, he really, the ball just, you, you don't know where it's going when it comes out of his hand sometimes. And that's been a big issue and he doesn't seem to have like the quick stuff down. So that's, that's been an issue. But again, I feel like, at least there's, there's some hope. I guess my take on these guys would be like from what I'm seeing this year, because you could have put Mac Jones in a different category from the other guys, as far as the the physical ability, I feel like the, the, all the other guys had traits that you can really point to. So for, for the fact that he's been better than all of them, then I don't know if I could necessarily argue against picking them in any order that you wanted to pick them here. I mean, maybe
1: against Maybe. I would, I would pick against anyone taking Zach Wilson first of this group because, because Zach it's Wilson, was I don't really know what their
0: valuations were, but yeah, I mean, some, some people really liked him. I don't know. It's tough. It's tough. Let's see the rest of the season. Maybe. I mean, I, I could, I, I would, I would agree. I would lean against that. Like I would probably say if you picked Lawrence or you picked Mac Jones, I could see those two for sure. Um, maybe the unknown of Lance, if that was still attractive to you. But I don't know. For me, it would be like Lawrence and Jones. I could see as being the number one. Like, I, I would not dispute either one of those. And if you went with one of the others, um, you know, I, I would be against it. But I don't think it would be egregiously bad.
1: Yeah. I mean, you like this is this is where I'm at with Fields, which I think you disagree with. Uh, which You were talking about unexpected points the other day is that yeah. the, the football wonks are basically giving Justin Fields a pass in a way that they never gave. Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen you know a pass for taking all these sacks and throwing all these interceptions and I just feel like he deserves it like I just feel like when I I just like that that really if I I could come up with lots of like you know complicated reasons and like specific plays where like oh this wasn't his fault but like I just it it really is as simplistic as this guy just looks like a guy who like he he kind of he kind of reminds me of um he kind of reminds me of like a, a hybrid of like Lamar and a more competent, pa- like a, like a more arm, like Lamar is a strong passer, but I wouldn't say he's got like amazing arm talent and fields is not the runner that Lamar is. Cause he's not, he's not as like herky jerky or whatever, but he's very fast and he's got amazing arm talent, but the, the, the I mean, the decision-making has been bad. Like, right, there was the he's had two plays where he thought it was a free play and it wasn't a free play. So he threw an interception on those. Like, you could, like, that's a, I mean, it's not good. And, but I think against the 49ers, you basically saw it, which is like, this guy's got this breathtaking athleticism. He can make the throws, like the touchdown he threw to Jesse James, where he was like rolling to his left, throwing off his Oh, back that was bones. pretty. Yeah. It's like that a total bullet. And like, we never got one of those throws from Sam Darnold. And I know there are throws yes. that people will bring up from Darnold. where like, oh, only Mahomes could do this. But like, it never was of that same caliber. And I think if you if you remove him from the context in which he's been placed, which is this, I mean, the bears are like the lowest volume offense in the NFL other than the new Orleans saints. And it just, to me, it doesn't make sense to play him that way. He hasn't been, they've not designed like rollouts for him. They're not using a ton of play action. Like they they have not flipped on easy mode for fields, the way that the Patriots have flipped on easy mode for Mac Jones.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's fine. Although, because here's what I would say about fields. Like in the last game, I got, in a way, like some Mike Vick type of vibes, in the fact that
1: he's just so he did things slippery.
0: where he did things where you're like, oh well, this dude's just like the best athlete on the football field right now, yeah. right? Like when he, the way he was able to get away. So, for in my opinion, I think that's like you talk about Lamar. I don't think Lamar is like necessarily. I think like Vick had a ton of arm talent too. Um, so I think he's kind of like bigger, Vick, a little bit better passer. And he's less, he's more, he has more restraint when it comes to running the ball. Like Vic would take off a lot more quickly. Um, Which is and like more kind of a, a
1: negative right now. Like, it, yeah, like, yeah. like that will probably serve him well if he figures things out as a passer, like four years yes. from now, but it's actively holding his team back right now. They would be better served for him to run 10 times a game as they currently exist.
0: Yeah, yeah. But then the problem I think with him is like, can he win if a team is kind of, if the defense is doing things that he's not, he's not good against. So like,
1: and right now the answer is no, the answer is straight up right now. No.
0: I mean, the thing of the 49ers, you had a good game against the 49ers. You could say, well, they have a good pass rush. They do, but then they normally don't blitz. Like when you bring pressure, the dude has no idea where where <laughs> how to diagnose it and how to stay away from, from it. He's taken like some huge hits on when, when blitzers come because they just come free and he doesn't even see it coming. So we'll see against the Steelers. Steelers will be very interesting because they definitely bring a lot of pressure. And then offensively with him, I mean, his problem, if, if, if you're going to look statistically, the one thing that I noticed about him, which I thought was the most interesting thing about him coming out amongst the prospects were if you look at the snaps when he is pressured, like, the percentage of time he was either scrambling or taking a sack when pressured was, like, astronomical. It was, like, 50% of the time. And this season, if you combine, like, in this last – even the last game, he took four sacks. Two of them was when he was trying to scramble. So they're not, like, real sacks. He took four sacks and he scrambled eight times or something like that. So he was sacked or scrambled, like, 12 times on 30-something dropbacks. That's in a good game. So he's still – you know, scramble. It's not like a successful pass play. If you want to call it successful, meaning the way it was drawn up, that's not happening 20, 30% of the time that he drops back to pass. So I want to see that part of it being corrected because it's like the exact problems that we saw in college are happening in the pros. And for that reason, it makes me more confident that it might be like a very long standing issue. It's not like a new thing that's happening.
1: Right. Which is, uh, it's I mean, certainly it's it's just not it's just not ideal to be leaving the pocket that often, uh, which, you know, we, we see this with Mahomes and it's, it's it's not ideal. I guess maybe even the better way to say it is it's not ideal to be allowing the defense to disrupt your offensive play that much. You want the defense reacting to you. You don't want to be reacting to the defense. And he does not have. He just does, he doesn't have that dialed down. Well, that, in, in a
0: weird way, it adds, like, variance. You wouldn't think that it does, but, like, Mitch Trubisky had this pretty good sophomore, like, second season in the NFL because he was getting, like, these big scrambles. He had some big scramble plays. I mean, look at the game, even from Fields last week, that fourth and one. What if he just gets sacked on that play, right? He was very close. Like, that's a huge difference. He had another third down, a big conversion. So those scramble plays, like, difference between a sack and a very successful long scramble, it's a very, like, thin margin sometimes between that. And I think that can be a little bit of an issue. And I think awareness, he's not like Daniel Jones on his awareness, but some people pointed to the Bucks game. They said, oh, he got sacked in, uh, you know, 1.8 seconds in 2.1 seconds. That's fine. He did get sacked quickly, but like, you don't have to fumble the ball. Like you don't have to get sacked and fumble the ball. And he fumbled the ball basically – four times one time he hit his arm and it was actually caught for a completion. But then he, f- he fumbled it once where it was recovered by an offensive lineman. And then he fumbled it two more times where it was recovered by the defense. You just, I mean, that's a lot of fumbles.
1: It's a lot of fumbles, which is, uh, I mean, it's not great to like, that's the, that's the Daniel Jones problem is the fumbling. The fumbling is bad. Like the, the Matt, I mean, the, the, the Daniel Jones fumbling is, is completely out of control. He has got like six more fumbles than every other NFL player uh, like since 2019 when he, yeah, got I mean, when
0: it goes well, like it did with that first Daniel Jones game against the the bucks, when he first came in, when it goes well, it's like, oh my God, look at this guy's pocket presence. Like he's, he's under, he's unbothered by anything when it goes poorly. It's because he's, uh, he's fumbling the ball all the time because he isn't affected by what's going on. So again, it's, it's kind of wait and see, I think on fields also. Yeah.
1: All right. I think that, uh, I think that we should, we should be, Wrapped up there. I think that was any. uh, You want to argue with me about anything?
0: no no. I think that 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 covered it all. You know, I'm just I'm just saying for the the Justin Fields people. You know, you you just have to say he was bad. That's all you gotta say. You know, I don't. You don't have to say this that whatever. It's like when he's bad, say he's bad. When he's good, say he's good. Um, you know, our everyone's favorite Dan Orlovsky came out with something right after I made that statement, which like proved my point, which is he said. In these like in these circumstances, we can't evaluate Justin Fields at all. We just can't evaluate him. And like, does he say that this week after Justin Fields was good? Does he say, Oh, we can't evaluate him because of his circumstances? No, he's gonna say he's gonna say he was good, right? So anyway.
1: Which is, I mean, it is yeah, you you like I think you can evaluate him, but I'm not like I'm not killing him right now. Yeah, there? that's
0: fine. That's fine. Don't don't kill him. It's just just I I the thing is I follow a lot of like people who like Justin Fields, obviously. So on a bad game. The next day on Twitter, I'm just like getting inundated with clips of horrible play by his teammates and other things like that. And, you know, I, I, if you can't use your podcast to just be a, a misanthrope and vent about things that are annoying you, then, you know, what's the point? Then What's the one?
1: point? Then literally there's no <laughs> point in having a podcast. Um, all right. Yeah. Tell people about all the stuff on PFF, where to find unexpected points, all of that good stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, whatever. Unexpected points out there on all your different platforms. During the season, I do a couple of shows a week. Uh, the biggest thing I probably do on these shows is I adjust the scores using like success rate more heavily versus efficiency. I bring in some PFF metrics when it comes to turnover-worthy plays, drops, a bunch of other of the less stable things to try to get like a better view on what has actually happened and then use that to Project games and against the spread and things like that going forward. So that's uh, going on in all your different podcast platforms. And then as far as the content at PFF Showdown, it's kind of the big thing I do. I do one for every. I do an analysis for every single island game where I have some uh, projections for ownership and for how often someone will be when what I'm calling an optimal lineup. And obviously those are those are fun, easy contests to get into and in a growing part of DFS.
1: Yeah, they're the, they're the best. Um, all right, everyone, follow Kev on Twitter, and uh, we'll be back next week.